Wow, with all those baptism stories, I'm not even sure we need a sermon today. We've already heard some great sermons. And and there are these baptism testimonies in all the services this week. So I feel kind of badly for you because you're only getting one-fourth of the stories. Last night, they were phenomenal. And before I realized it, I said to the group at 4 o'clock, I said, why don't you just go to all the services? And I thought what that would mean if everybody did that. But uh, they are so awesome. And so I'm going to speak today, but only for about 20 minutes. Uh, We're in a series called Pray Until Something Happens, Push. And last weekend, I introduced you to one aspect of prayer as we looked at 10 reasons, top 10 reasons to pray. Today, with the shorter message, I want us just to zero in on one of those reasons, and that was number seven last week. Remember, I said you don't have to go crazy in a crazy world. I want to just talk about that for a few minutes today because isn't it true that we live in a crazy world? I've been working on this message for several weeks. Honestly, Mary Alice could tell you if she was in the service this morning, uh, she's in one of the groups, or maybe she is in the service. I lose track of all of her schedule sometimes here at New Spring. But she would be the first to tell you that I really wrestle with whether or not to do this story. But then, of course, we have the events of early this week and what happened in Las Vegas. And one more time, we've been reminded that we live in a crazy world. Now, crazy is sort of a... It's sort of a, a nebulous word. What what do we mean when we talk about crazy in that respect? I think we talk about no reason for things. You know, one of the things that's happened this week as we've tried to sort out the events of Las Vegas is we've tried to understand the motivation for why a man would do what the shooter did who killed 58 people and injured so many others. Let me ask you a question. I mean, if we came up with the motivation, would that be a reason? I mean, if we found out that ISIS had recruited him, if we found out that he was a white supremacist, if we found out that he was angry over gambling losses, I mean, let me ask you a question. Would that be a reason? Would that, would that balance out why a person would hurt innocent people that he didn't even know? See, that's the thing. We, we've, we've gotten so accustomed and so acclimatized to living in a crazy world that sometimes we, we don't back up and ask ourselves, is there really a reason for why things happen? I think if we ask that question, we would say, in large part, no, this is a crazy world. But it's always been a crazy world. And for a few moments today, I want to extract a story from the ancient Jewish history of a woman who I would say was a catalyst for the nation of Israel. Her name is Hannah. And for a few moments, I just want to tell you Hannah's story. And the first thing I want you to know is that Hannah lived in a crazy world. In fact, Hannah's world is probably a lot like the world that you and I live in right now. Just a little backstory. If you start thumbing through the Bible, you're going to find a book fairly early called the Book of Judges. That's a 400-year period of some of the worst history that the nation of Israel ever experienced. They went from problem to problem, and, and what would happen, they were in the promised land, but what would happen is they would forget about God, and they would serve idols, and God would back up and let them go into trouble, and then when they got into trouble, they would cry out to God, and God would raise up a man or a woman who became a leader for the nation, and God would overcome the, the enemy through that person, but they'd go right back into a dark cycle, and so this was happening over a period of 400 years, and every dark cycle was worse than the one before. Hannah comes along at the very end of that cycle. Guys, let me just tell you, there is stuff in the book of Judges that I won't even get into in a mixed audience. There are stories so graphic, so ugly. In fact, the Bible just presents them. The Bible doesn't show God in any of, you know, sometimes people say, where is God in this? And one of the questions I always struggle with is when something goes wrong in America, people want to know, where is God? That's got to be one of the dumbest questions 
that we could possibly have. I mean, we've been kicking God out for 100 years at least. Whereas God, we kicked him out. And so that was what was happening in Hannah's time. Hannah was living in a crazy world. You know, you have all these stories in the book of Judges, and so many of them are, are negative other than the stories of deliverance. But you get to the very last verse of the very last chapter. And in one statement, God explains why things are so bad. And here it is. This is in Judges 21, 25. People did whatever they felt like doing. <laughs> you know what? In America today, we think that's utopia. If people can do whatever they feel like doing, that's utopia. No, that's dystopia. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. In other words, everyone had his own standard or her own standard of what was right and what was wrong and what was good and what worked for them and didn't work for them. And consequently, they, they descended into a morass. And so that's where Hannah was. Now, what I want to do for a few moments is I want to just walk you through the components of Hannah's crazy world. And the reason I do that is I think we're going to find some resonance with our crazy world. The first thing that was wrong in Hannah's life was the people who were supposed to represent God didn't. Now, you can read this if you want to in 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. There was a priest who was the spiritual leader, supposedly, of Israel. His name was Eli. And in those days, the priesthood was something passed down from generation to generation. Eli was not only the high priest, he had two sons who were in the office of priesthood. And when we read what was going on, the Bible says that these guys were abusing the offerings that came in. In those days, people didn't bring money. They brought livestock for sacrifice. And of course, that meat was shared with the priest according to the will of God. But if you read what was going on, the priests were making themselves fat on the offerings of the people, so much so that the Bible says that people who came to bring offerings despised or they dreaded coming to worship. Listen, guys, we live in that kind of world today. I'm a pastor. I get a lot of pastoral journals. It's like every day I'm going to open up my journals, and I'm going to find some pastor who has failed morally, some pastor who has disgraced his office, some spiritual leader who was communicating one message and living a different kind of life. And here's the thing. None of us, none of us is perfect. None of us is good. But I'll tell you what, just, this is just between me and you. I really believe you have a right to expect me and those who serve you to at least be real. I mean, we're flawed. I try to be honest with you about that flawedness. But at the same time, you have a right to expect that if I step up here with the Bible in my hand, I believe what I'm saying. And I also, you have a right to expect that I understand that I'm as accountable to obey God as you are. In fact, sometimes I'll get through with the message and I'll drive home and I'll think, oh God, if there had been an altar call, I would have had to walk the altar in my own sermon. Right? And I, I'm just saying that. So what, but here's the thing. Let's broaden that out. Let's go beyond... Christian ministry, and let's just talk about good. The people in Hannah's day who were supposed to be representatives of good weren't. I mean, we live in an era when those who make the laws in Washington and Topeka sometimes flaunt the law. We live in a time frame when those who are supposed to enforce the law sometimes abuse the law. We live in a time frame when those who are supposed to teach our children good and right teach our children wrong. We live in a world like Hannah did when those who were supposed to represent God and good didn't. But it wasn't just the culture around her. I want to take you now to the second aspect of Hannah's crazy world. And let's go internally and look inside her heart because Hannah had a problem and she had a personal problem, and that problem made her world crazy. See, Hannah wanted to have a baby, and she couldn't. Now, this is sad. It's always sad when people want to have a baby, and they can't get pregnant. But in Hannah's case, in those days, if a woman couldn't have a baby, it was seen as a sign of God's displeasure. That wasn't true, but that wouldn't be the first crazy thing said in religion. 
And so Hannah was not only grieved because she had empty arms, Hannah was grieved because people made fun of her. And on top of that, in those days, never was God's idea, but there was bigamy or polygamy. And so because Hannah couldn't have a baby, her husband Elkanah, who loved her very much, married a backup wife. Yeah, he married another woman and, had the, and, and through her, he had children through her. So now Hannah not only has the problem of not being able to have a baby, She's in a situation where she has, as we're going to see in just a moment, a rival wife. And this woman was able to have children. So you can imagine how difficult Hannah's life was. She lived, I mean, that's crazy. Let's go to the third thing because we're going to pick up the story with that other wife. Hannah was mercilessly taunted. I don't know if you've ever gone through taunting or not. I mean, people taunt for various reasons, don't they? I mean, people carry rage. I did a series years ago called Pack and Heat. I think I'm going to do Pack and Heat too someday because it just seems to me that people are carrying rage. And so what happened with Hannah, she got taunted. Now, I'm going to pick this up in 1 Samuel chapter five, uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. This is when the family every year would go up to Shiloh to worship God. And it's going to start by talking about her husband, Elkanah. Okay? But he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Look at this line. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. I don't know about you, but now, regardless of how crazy my week is, I love it when I get in my car and I start heading for New Spring because, you know, I can think whatever else I've been through this week, I can let it go for a little while and I can just worship with you and we can, we can celebrate God's word. But wouldn't it be terrible when you have to go to worship every week that you know you're going to be taunted, you're going to be ripped. And so every time that, that Hannah would go to worship, Penina's back there barking at her, putting her down and making her feel bad. In fact, the Bible says Hannah was reduced to tears. And had no appetite. What a lousy state to be in when you're going to worship. Crazy, crazy. Hannah was in a crazy world. The people who were supposed to represent God didn't. She had a problem that couldn't be fixed. And then on top of that, she's being taunted all the time. Wow, this fourth one. You know, I was just working through this message. I've known this story since I was a little boy. But as I got to the fourth thing here that made her world crazy, I I just sort of backed away and looked back in time and thought, how much can this woman take? Because not only was the other stuff that I've said true, the fourth problem that she had was she was unfairly judged and accused. You ever have anybody do that with you? I mean, you're judged. And then, I mean, it's like sort of people just said it's, you know, judge, jury, and executioner. And then on top of that, to be accused. How many of you have discovered how, how much it hurts to be accused of the last thing in the world you would do? It's one thing to be accused of what we're guilty of. It's something else to be unfairly judged and accused of the very last thing we would do. I think Satan knows how bad that hurts. Hey, check this out. Hannah's gone up to Shiloh to worship with the rest of the family. She's been taunted all the way. She can't have a baby. She doesn't feel like eating. Finally, she just gets up from the table and she goes to the door of the tabernacle. Now, it's really interesting because back a few moments ago when I talked about Eli and his sons, I should have told you something. Eli accuses his sons knowingly that they have slept with women at the door of the tabernacle. And strangely enough, that was the place where God was going to come to meet with the priest. 
And at the place where the place of meeting where God was supposed to meet with the priest, these young priests were using that as a meeting place for something else. So Hannah goes to that place, to the door of the tabernacle. And let's read. Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli, that's the high priest, jumped to the conclusion she was drunk. He approached her and said, you're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I'm like doing, I'm reading this story while I'm prepping for this message, and I'm like, how much craziness can this poor lady take? The world around her is crazy. People supposed to represent God didn't. She has a problem, can't get fixed. She's taunted all the time. Finally goes to the place where she can pour her heart out to God, and the spiritual leader of the nation accuses her of being drunk and tells her to sober up. <laughs> you know what would have happened today if that happened? Yeah, she'd have gone home, got on Facebook, and said, guess what happened to me? <laughs> and you know what would have happened next? All her friends would have got in there, and you'd see this long line of comments. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's so terrible. I can't believe that happened to you. <laughs> when are we going to get over this addiction to the narcotic of sympathy? I mean, Hannah knew this isn't going to take her anywhere. I mean, she could say, you know, and I went to the temple, our tabernacle, I prayed, and you know what? The spiritual leader came out and said, you're drunk. The story would have stopped right there. But thankfully, Hannah just kept right on going. Now, I hate to do this, but i got to give you one more aspect of her crazy world. I mean, it's like it gets even worse. Here's number five. Her husband who loved her pushed her just to accept the way things were and let it go. Okay, and it was saying to her, Hannah, why is this so big to you? I love you. I'm better to you than 10 sons. Why can't you just accept? Boy, this is the thing. See, if you really decide that you want to lay hold, as the old timers used to say, of God and pray for what's broken in your world, and you wait and you don't seem to get an answer, you'll have well-meaning friends who love you say, why don't you just let it go and accept the status quo? Now, let me just, I'm going to tell you what, what, I'm going to tell you what was wrong here because I think this still happens in marriages today. Elkanah was basically saying, Hannah, you need to get on with your life so I can get on with my life. You know, here's the thing, girl. You know, you're bringing the whole family down. And you know what? Sometimes just the way things are is the way things are. And Hannah, you know what? Why don't, why don't you just let it go and just accept it? So I can breathe again. Now let me ask you a question. Because I'm guessing by this point, there are some of you that are beginning to feel a kinship with this woman. He's like, well, okay, I've got number one, <laughs> number two, and number five. <laughs> or I don't know what numbers you have, but you're looking at this and you're saying, you know, I'm kind of like Hannah. I'm in a crazy world too. What do you do? When you're in a crazy world. Guys, my, my sermon only has one point today. Hannah prayed. Hannah prayed. Now I know, and I'll talk about this in just a moment. We live in a world today where prayer is de-emphasized. And always remember this. You can always know how much you believe in prayer by how much you pray. <laughs> you know, I've talked to a lot of people in this spring. Oh, I believe very much in prayer. Well, tell me how much you pray. Well, maybe twice this week. 
Well, the obvious truth is we don't believe very much in it. And, and, and we live in a world in which we're so accustomed to things being done quickly. You know, if we have a headache, we get medicine off the shelf. If we're hungry, we go to the refrigerator. I mean, so many things that God has blessed our nation with that we can just solve real quickly. So consequently, it's so easy for us to say prayer really doesn't make that much difference. But let me give you a definition of prayer that I hope resonates with you because we learned this from Hannah. Prayer is taking things to a higher court. You understand Hannah's been to court. She's been to all kinds of courts, and every time she goes to court, the ruling goes against her. I mean, she goes to the cultural court, and it rules against her. She goes to the religious court, it rules against her. She goes to the family court, and it rules against her. She goes to the life court, and it rules against her. She even goes to the court of the love of her husband, and it rules against her. I mean, Hannah's just gone through a series of rulings, and every time she goes to court, it rules against her. So finally, Hannah decides to take it to the Supreme Court, That is what prayer is. I mean, there are a lot of us here today, our lives are crazy because the world keeps ruling against us. Well, then just go ahead and take it to the Supreme Court because if God rules in your favor, everybody else can rule against you and it just doesn't matter. Now I need to move this along quickly here, but I just got to show you Hannah's prayer. After preaching this message twice last night, I went home and poor Mary Alice had to listen to it again. Uh, I'm just telling you, Hannah's prayer gets all over me. I love it. Look at what this lady prayed. Hannah got up and went to pray. Hannah was brokenhearted and was crying as she prayed. Now look at this. Lord, all-powerful. Now look at these next two lines. I am your servant, but I am so miserable. Aren't you glad this in the Bible? You know, you know here, here's, what, here's what a lot of pseudo-religion people would pray. God, if you'll keep me from being miserable, I'll be your servant. You know, God, if you make my world okay, I'll, I will serve you. Well, well, that misses the whole point. Hannah said, I know who you are. You're the God that's all-powerful, and, and I am your servant, but I am so miserable. Does that do for you what it does for me? Because sometimes God's servants are miserable because we live in a crazy world. We're not in heaven yet. And Hannah said, I am your servant, but I'm so miserable. Please let me have a son. I will give him to you as long as he lives. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. She does get pregnant. She has a son. Actually, she winds up having three more sons and two daughters. But that son she had was the turnaround catalyst for the nation of Israel. When he's born, he's born in that dark time of the judges. By the time he dies, he has poured oil of anointing on a young man named David who will begin a kingly line in the nation of Israel that will continue all the way through Jesus Christ. I would say he was a change agent. Why do I bring this talk today? You and I are watching an an international discussion about prayer right now. And, And there are two components to it. First of all, we have problems with hurricanes and natural disasters. And on top of that, there are disasters that people have every day. And the second part of that is social media, which has its blessings and it has its issues. But there's an expression that's become very common on social media. And that expression is thoughts and prayers. Now, here's the thing. If we're really thinking about people and praying for them, that's a wonderful expression. But in our culture today, I think there's, there, there, there's a growing group of people who are saying it's a little too glib. And a lot of times talks and prayers, uh, thoughts and prayers just become an expression. So consequently, 
maybe it's, in fact, there was, forgive me for breaking the sense, but there was actually an editorial I think the Eagle picked up where a guy is writing on prayer and he was talking about, well, prayer has some sort of beneficial effect. And even if you don't believe in God very much, it's probably a good thing to go ahead and pray. I want to tell you, if you don't believe in God, it's a worthless, ridiculous thing to do. Because prayer has, there's no, people talk about the power of prayer. There's no power in prayer. There's power in God. And prayer is what lays hold of God. And so consequently, if you don't have a God, prayer really is. And I'll be the first to stand in line with the atheist and say prayer really is a waste of time. So if you want to know what caused Hannah's prayer to have power, you have to go to chapter 2 of 1 Samuel because Hannah sings a song. And in that song, she reveals some things that she knows about God. Let me give them to you real quickly. The first thing she knows about God is that God picks people up. Look at this. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 8, he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. I love that. I mean, that's two different things. He lifts people up from the dust. Hey, on the road of life, you get knocked down sometimes. And she says, God's there to pick you up. But then some of us know what it's like to be thrown away. Someone you love threw you away. Maybe your parents threw you away. Maybe your job, maybe your culture threw you away. But Hannah said, you know what? I got thrown away. But it's okay because she said, God is a person who goes down to the garbage dump and he pulls people up and look at this, placing them in seats of honor for all the earth is the Lord's. Hannah knew, it didn't, this world doesn't belong to Penina. You know, she may taunt me, but in her world, it's God's world. Second thing she knew about God, and I love this. You know, there are people, and I hear, I hear this today, and there are people that will say, well, Mark, you know what, you Christians, just this prayer thing is just nothing. If you want to change the world, get up and do something. Hey, I agree with the second part of that. If you can get up and do something to change this world, I think I speak for everyone here today. Thank you for your work, and all of us need to do that. But let me just tell you this. You're going to hit a wall. When you get to your doing, you're going to hit a wall. Look at what Hannah said. No one will succeed by strength alone. Hannah was saying, God, if you don't come and help me, I'm not going to be successful. Well, it's time for me to close the talk. You know... When I think about prayer, what Hannah teaches us is prayer is not like Aladdin's lamp where you rub it and a genie comes out and gives you wishes. Prayer is God joining us in a crazy world. Prayer is not going to make a crazy world sane, but prayer will keep you sane in a crazy world because God will come and join you in your craziness. There is no story like the cross of Jesus Christ to bear that out. Jesus came into our world to die in our place in order that we might be able to live through a crazy world, and he would take us to the world that's sane. Would you bow your head with me, please? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, as you've heard these baptismal pull talk about, I want to invite you to pray and invite Jesus in. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'll pray it slowly. And if you decide you want to pray it with me, you can say it like Hannah did in her heart. Remember, your lips can move, but you, you don't have to pray out loud. Ready? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you love me. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. Lord, I live in a crazy world, but I ask you to come and join me. I turn from my old way of life, and I put my life in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, I want to give you a gift. If you just prayed that prayer with me, all you got to do is go to any info center and just say, I prayed with Mark. And this, in this bag, there's a Bible just like I preach from. There's a book I wrote that will answer a lot of questions about your decision, a lot of cool stuff. They won't hassle you or bother you. All you got to do is say, I pray with Mark, and they'll give this to you. Thank you for being here. God bless. See you next weekend.